Welcome to another edition of the eSpot with Camille. The eSpot is your location for the latest in entertainment, beauty, and design from the people who make it. Thanks for joining. In this episode of the eSpot with Camille, we will dive deep into trigger warnings. Please be aware that we will talk about sexual abuse, child abuse, suicide, self-harm, and many other factors that may be uncomfortable for some viewers and listeners. Please be advised. Hello, welcome everyone to the eSpot with Camille. This is a very special episode of the eSpot with Camille. I guess all of them are special, but this is special in a different way. We're going to go deep. We're going to dig in. We're going to do the hard work and we're going to learn more about how we can get past or even heal through past traumas. And I'm so lucky that I have Dr. Sheena here today who just put out this amazing book. It was just it, this week. It just came out. Um, actually, by the time this airs, it would be last week. But <laughs> um, Body Rights, a holistic healing and embodiment workbook of black survivors of sexual trauma. Without any further ado, let me go ahead and bring up the author, Dr. Sheena, who not only wrote this amazing book, but you also work with uh, performers on set as well. So this is like so connected to what I do as far as women empowerment, encouraging people to follow their dreams, but also like to be able to move past things that may be hindering you because of past traumas. So thank you. Thank you. so Thank you for being my guest today. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's my honor. Well, the honor is all mine. So I want to dig right into it. What made you even get into this kind of work? Because I have a girlfriend who's a therapist and she like she closed down her therapy, but now she provides um, for burnout, like preventing burnout in mental health mm -hmm. spaces and doctor spaces because you guys deal with a lot of trauma. <laughs> so what made you get into this and how has it helped you being a part of it? Yeah. So there's a long story and a short story. I'll find the middle ground. Um, I grew up in a family um, and in communities where we didn't have a lot of spaces to talk about difficult things. Um, there's a lot of culture of secrecy within the Black community about this topic and, you know, about other topics as well. Um, many of us were taught keep family business within the family, right? Be seen, not heard. And so, um, you know, while I could sense the pain in within the Black community, I didn't hear many people talking about safe places they could go to talk about um, whatever may have been troubling them or people that they loved. And in many ways, it may sound cliche, but I feel like my work chose me, or perhaps I came to the earth knowing what my work would be, and I made this agreement before I got here. Um, and so, you know, it's been a really easeful, like, um, journey into this work. Um, in my early career, I was working with young children and their mothers, those who have been impacted by interpersonal domestic violence, sexual trauma. And my work just sort of evolved from there. But something that makes it um, really special for me is growing up as a dancer, 
there was always this body piece, right? Like I talk about sometimes how I go to dance class and feel a certain way and then leave dance and be feeling better. And I didn't quite understand what that was. Um, and now my work has sort of come together being an artist and a dancer and um, an author and a, a psychologist healer that holds space for survivors of sexual trauma from a decolonized and holistic perspective in a work that centers the body as the medicine. Um, I know you know, Camille, that sexual trauma is and sexual assault, sexual abuse, molestation is quite prevalent in our communities. And, um, you know, I really want us to be at home and free in our body. So my yes was very easy in coming to this work and writing this book. Now, when you thought of making this book, I, I love that it's a workbook. So it's something you can work in, you can write in your own notes and just even kind of see how you grow through the process in that way too, where you can look back, reflect what you were thinking at the time when you were writing in it. But for you, when you were writing this book, what was your goal as far as how people were to go through this book to really get the most out of it? Yes. Yeah. And I, I just want to also acknowledge, I know we're talking about a sensitive topic. So for mm. anyone that's listening, please take care of yourself, um, offer care to yourself as, as much as you need, come back as you need to. Um, sometimes it can be triggering. So I just wanted to offer that. Um, so I was so excited to write a workbook that would guide people through a healing journey. And so the book kind of, in some ways, reads like a memoir, a book of poetry, um, but, it's, but it's mostly a book of rituals that call people back into relationship and intimacy with themselves, their intuition, and in the pillars of remembrance, remembrance of ancient wisdoms, remembrance of intuition at the core, of healing, remembering choice, remembering authenticity, right? So um, the choice piece is really important in the work that I do is it's grounded in trauma-informed care, which is an anti-racism and anti-oppression framework. Yeah. And when folks are victimized, they're abused or assaulted in an interpersonal nature of, of any type, um, choice is literally stolen from them in that moment. Choice, power, and control. So this book is full of opportunities to make choices. And the way that I talk about it is the more we get comfortable making choices for our bodies, ourselves, where we place our yeses and how we stand in our nose, we can take that experience now that we have in our bodies out into the world and try on these new tools and making these choices with more confidence. So the book is divided into four medicine journeys. And um, I invite folks, I think it, I wrote it um, so that it flows from beginning to end. Each journey builds on the next, but I support people making choices that feel right and intuitive for their bodies and and for their healing journey. So if you're feeling drawn to a particular medicine journey, one that's later, go for it, right? Um, it's all about that choice and intuition. I love that you brought that up because a lot of times 
once you've been a victim of something, it's hard to get over the idea of like not having a voice or feeling like people don't listen anyway. Why should I? And even in this book, you're like, it's up to you how you do it. You get to decide where and how you use Absolutely. it. And, you know, like you even give them freedom of choice because once your consent is taken away from you, you know, once you're coerced into something, because there's so many different ways, like they're um, just recently uh, breaking news today because we are recording this on November 16th. We learned about the beautiful um, singer, performer, Cassie, just filed a lawsuit against um, her former abuser. I, I mean, I feel like alleged abuser, maybe that's a better word for it. I won't use his name because I don't like naming abusers. Um, but with that, all the different things, and I'll link the information because nobody needs to rehear all the things that she went through because I'm sure it might be triggering for anybody that may have gone through anything somewhat similar. But mm -hmm. it's just so many times you see these comments and that's the part that also like re-triggers sometimes you read these comments nothing's good in the comments but sometimes there there's there like i try to be those kinds of people that's in the comments like oh my god i believe her you know this is quick yeah, da, 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 and so on and so um like i feel like there's nothing wrong with your first intuition to be believe the victim immediately until you like unlike the u.s government i believe in innocence first for the most part, but when it comes to child abuse or being sexually assaulted, I believe the victim first until it's proved otherwise. And in this situation, I feel like a lot of people in the comments were actually like, oh, yep, the NDA must have ended and she can finally sue or can finally come public about what happens. Or um, another thing that was kind of encouraging that people are starting to believe victims and understand that it's not something you can go... Because I went to the police right away the second time. And because the first time it didn't, I didn't even understand what had happened to me because I was so young and it, those words weren't even created yet. So, or they didn't talk about available. Yeah. And we weren't on a date. So it was like, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And it was for me when I went to the police, like they weren't so helpful. It wasn't like, it wasn't like law and order SVU, which is what I was kind of expecting my Olivia Benson to be just automatically let's go get them, you know, type of thing. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. to see in the comments where people are like, I believe her, da, 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 da. Um, but I want to also address that because so many times people are like, why they wait so long? Why they wait so long? But sometimes it's about getting the strength or the courage to have that voice again, once it's been taken away from you. But you're a therapist. Like I'm sure you've seen many different ways that people are able to finally come forward and share what happened to them publicly or yeah. even legally. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit yes. about maybe not only mm -hmm. how you get people to that place, but how they feel after they've gotten their justice and so on too, like why it's yeah. important to try at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for what you're sharing about your own journey. Um, and I, I know that it'll resonate with probably many people listening. Um, and I too am, you know, struck by the news and sending so much love to Cassie and also to Kiki Palmer, who was in the news last week. Um, I can't imagine what it's like to go through this in the public eye. And unfortunately, because of the world that we live in and the conditioning that we've all um, been under for generations and, and decades, centuries even, um, it is very 
easy to fall into the trap of blaming the victims, blaming the folks that have experienced the, that have been violated and assaulted. Um, And so to anyone listening, I like to invite you to be curious about why your first instinct is not to believe someone or to blame them, particularly why your first instinct is to blame a black woman who comes forward saying that she was harmed. Um, Even if you yourself are a black woman, where did that come from, right? How did you get there? Um, What are the, the systems, the structures, the internalized isms that you've experienced that have brought you to that place. Um, so I just, I, I'm really passionate about that. I, I, I think it's time for that to go, for us to stop blaming victims and also understand that there is much at play in the reasons why someone, someone may or may not disclose that they have been harmed, why they may seek help or not seek help especially when when it involves law enforcement. Um, For non-Black folks or non-BIPOC, police are associated with protection and safety, right? But for those of us that live in BIPOC bodies, it can be quite the opposite. To go to the police or law enforcement um, is to subject yourself potentially to lack of safety right? Harm, death, even, right? Um, And there are many reasons. It's a complicated history as to why um, the help-seeking of Black women survivors in particular um, tends not to involve law enforcement, right? So there's a statistic roughly that for every um, 15 women, Black women in particular, that are sexually assaulted, only one of them will report their sexual assault. There's a reason for that. And we're seeing this play out in the media with Cassie um, coming forward um, and all the accusations and reasons as to why um, she's doing that in the timing versus maybe she finally gained her power and a sense of safety and had the support that she needs in order to come forward. And I have to say, being a mom sometimes it gives you an, another extra strength because you feel like I have to do this for my child. And she recently became a mom. I, I don't remember how many years ago, or maybe j- even more recent than that. I just remember seeing the pregnancy pictures at some point. Um, but not saying that it's always that case. But I know when I had my daughter, first off, it was very traumatic having losing control of my body again and not having understanding what was going on, going to medical doctors and having to talk to people about because I was only a year away from my assault when I got pregnant. And so it was just Mm -hmm. like a lot of, um, I guess, just anxiety about the whole thing of not being in control of my body again, not knowing what was happening to me and just feeling I had no control. But then when she was born, there was this like superpower almost that was in yeah, I can't even think of the right word, but that was um, that empowered like me. Embody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't want anything to ever happen to my daughter that happened to me. What can I do to protect her? What can I do also like getting more involved in my community as far as letting people know that when I say something happens, it's true. And just wanting that like environment around her and immediately 
believing her because I was also abused as a child by a teacher. And it was months before my parents found out. And Mm -hmm. truth be told, when the police was involved, they told me to pretend it never happened. And so that became my mentality about things that when I go to the police officer, they're going to tell me, you know, to put up my boundaries, to have my limitations. So no one tried me anymore or tried my daughter or thought they could do those kinds of things. So um, Mm -hmm. can you speak even a little bit more about that in the sense of like a lot of times there's patterns there that stem from childhood that you may not realize that you're perpetuating and even maybe putting on your family, your children, people around you. Because although I think it's great that they, because I'll put a trigger warning above this show too, but I also think sometimes people aren't aware of your triggers are going to say things all because people say things all the time around me. Like, oh, that taxi driver tried to charge me too much. They raped me or something like that is not, (laughs) that is not it. You're making very light of a heavy situation. So can you talk a little bit about even those kinds of patterns or even like getting over being, um, I guess, so easily triggered by just the word sometimes Mm -hmm. even. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, it wouldn't feel right if I didn't, acknowledge in this moment. I know we're new to each other. We're just meeting each other, but I'm so proud with you for um, the healing that you've done, right? That you've arrived to a place that you are able to see the patterns yourself and that you are um, very convicted in your intention to protect your, your daughter as well. You're naming some of the themes that I talk about in the body rights book, specifically intergenerational trauma and intergenerational healing. It's woven throughout the book, but there is a fourth journey, fourth medicine journey that focuses on this, right? These are the ways in which our stories, our lived experiences, those of our ancestors and historical context are passed down through DNA in our bodies, our bloodline, Um, our cellular and energetic memory, but also how it's passed down in our ways of being and our patterns. So you shared, for example, um, being told to pretend it never happened and how that became a coping tool for you, a way for you to navigate hard things moving on. What you were um, told or conditioned to manipulate it into um, believing or the, I should say the consequence of that manipulation is that you were taught to not trust your intuition or to, to like trust your voice and trust what happened, right? Just mm-hmm. to push it down, right? Because it, it would likely mean you didn't get what you need and people wouldn't believe you or show up for you. So um, those sorts of things can happen over and over again and become ways of being in relationships. Um, for any person that has experienced an interpersonal trauma and there's a rupture to their intuition and they're living that out in relationships, we get stuck in cycles of toxic relationships of tend and befriend, which is a trauma response where we take care of others at the expense of ourselves. Um, I would say codependency is symbiotic to that, to tend and befriend. Um, We find ourselves drawn to people that may have familiar characteristics as the the people that abused us or that even didn't believe us, right? So it's really important for us to Um, do this part of the work so that 
we can end the cycle with us so that it doesn't get passed on to the generations that are following, right? And they have, they come into um, their bodies with freedom as, as a birthright versus as something to be earned or something to heal into. Like, thank you so much for saying that about me, but I, a lot of it was my therapist, <laughs> you know, she helped me put words to it and figure it out. And even just like saying it out loud, sometimes you start realizing, oh, there, these are connections there. And how do I prevent those connections? Because, um, and in a lot of um, experiences of sexual violation, there is a power differential, whether it's yeah. a professor and a student, right? Or um, a director and an actor, right? Or um, an older family member and a child in the family. Um, a um, Casey, she was a, 19. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, a, a citizen and someone and an immigrant that hasn't yet gained the security um, to, you know, be free to live freely in this in this country. Right. So that that power differential is um, is is huge. Right. And that makes it easier to manipulate, um, to sustain like silence of the person that was harmed. And also um, it makes it easier for them to continue this behavior and perpetrating um, with other folks as well. Yeah, they can get away with it, right? Absolutely. So on the healing side of things, like I, like I mentioned, I went to therapy. You have this amazing book that for people, oops, sorry, I'm dropping all the things. <laughs> um, you have this amazing book that people can work through and therapy as well, but you also do these other things as well. Can you share a little bit about that? And because it's like yoga and meditation, like mm -hmm. it's giving women or non-binary, all everyone in between. Um, yeah. It gives people that opportunity to reclaim their bodies, to feel strength in that. Because I was also raised Catholic. And so I was very much like, you don't, you don't masturbate. You don't talk about your, 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 pro, your, your body parts, you know, and so on. And like even labeling it, it was always like a fun name, never the real name. I can say it now, mm -hmm. kind of vulva and so on. But needless to say, like, I think a lot of that is also in the black community that you're supposed to be such a lady, you can't do this, but then you're seeing all these images where we're the B words, we're the strippers, we're the, you know, sex workers, we're free and sexual. And so there's, that was the other part of it is with both of my assailants, they made a point of saying that, you know, this is the way you girls are or something like that. That's the way black girls are. Right. And something like each time it was something like that, that was said to me and it just right. made me feel like what? wait a minute, yeah. entertainment yeah. is also perpetuating the problems with us. They're grooming people to think that women like that look like you and I are, not, we don't have control of our bodies. They can control it. They have the right to whatever they want to do with us or how they want to portray us. And I want to tie this in also with you working on set too, like how, how you mm -hmm. like work in those situations, knowing that, wait, I'm here to help you. But at the same time, this storyline is not going to help a lot of women who are watching it because of the yeah. things you're doing in it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you said so many things. Let me see if I can, Sorry, if I can keep up. Help. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Help me if I, if I forget something. Um, yeah. You know, the part that stands out, um, you know, first is, 
you're talking about the ways that the world sexually objectifies Black women, Black beings, Black men, non-binary folk, um, the way that they sexually objectify us. And then if we are living freely in our sensuality and our sexuality um, as embodied folk, um, that we're shamed for that, right? It's, it's, it's a mind fuck, <laughs> right? And I talk about in the book how the um, sexual assault of Black women in particular is rooted in um, um, colonization and enslavement of, of African folk mm -hmm. and make a connection to rape and sexual assault in the 21st century. Um, so really speaking to some of the things that you were sharing about your own experience. Um, the second thing you brought up was, do you remember? Yeah, well, being on set or um, just being, I guess, since we're entertainment's kind of grooming us to a date older because <laughs> most of the male actors are playing are like 10 to 20 years older than the actresses that are the love interest. And then mm -hmm. also the fact like, um, they do kind of make it seem like BIPOC people, ethnic people, curly hair people versus straight hair. Like they're the more wild one. They're the more free sexual, giving into that whole ethnicity of being that, oh, we're, we're free with our bodies. We're like, sex is not right. something that yeah. we give to everyone, not something that's intimate and personal and with love. Well, we know that art imitates life. And so those same narratives that we've been um, harmed by in IRL, we also see portrayed in the films and shows and theater productions that, um, that are available on screen. Um, that's not a surprise because many of the people that um, the executives of people that make the decisions are also folks that don't look like us. So they continue to control the narrative in that way, which also, you know, then makes sense why um, a person like me who wants to support having healthier work environments within the inter entertainment industry has to justify why this is needed versus it just being understood and implemented as a standard of care. So about two years ago, I, before the pandemic, you know, time's weird, however long, <laughs> however COVID years ago, <laughs> that was, um, I, I work, I live in Los Angeles. And so I work with a lot of creatives, both above the line and, and below the line. Um, and I was hearing these stories of how they were treated on set, how they might be triggered on set because of a familiar theme um, or because life is happening. There's a racial uprising happening in the world and now they're having to go to work and show up and perform um, for um, perhaps it's a show that has a direct connection with what's happening in real life or maybe it has nothing to do with what's happening in real life. Um, and so I started these having these conversations and it felt like I tend to be a little bit ahead of the, the trend. And so now COVID happens and um, on the other side of it, I'm picking up this momentum again and hoping that folks will start to um, join me in the intention of uh, shifting the culture uh, on set. 
um, Underground Railroad that um, came out a couple years ago um, was one of the first, at least in the States, the UK is um, ahead of the game there. But um, Underground Railroad had an onset support um, and it was really successful. Um, we've seen folks in the, um, the media, Dominique Fash, uh, Fish, uh, Fishback, who talked about how she demanded having, uh, requesting a therapist be on set because she was having a hard time, her body was having a hard time differentiating between what was real and what wasn't. Um, this is what triggering looks like, right? Where now you're triggered, My one of my teachers says, Triggers are visits from the past. And so now your body doesn't know if it's in the past or the present, right? And most recently we saw um, the sister from Bridgerton who disclosed that she had two psychotic breaks and deteriorating mental health throughout the, the filming of the show. And um, she talked about how Netflix or Shondaland did not support her in the moment, but also after. So my work on set um, would help folks to navigate um, triggers and traumas that may be happening, but could also like neutralize um, and make things less likely to trigger by implementing trauma-informed care practices and so on. Um, so I'm really excited to see the industry shift, especially um, after these strikes have ended. And then I think the last part of what you asked was about my other work. Um, it, it's all, you know, connected um, in the book. Journey number two focuses on um, embodiment practices and trauma-informed yoga, meditation, and there's journaling inquiries throughout um, but I created a program called Healing on the Mat. It's a 10-week workshop series for Black survivors of sexual trauma that brings all these themes together. And so journey number two is an abbreviated version of that. And I offer the program both virt virtually and live um, a few times a year. So folks can keep up with those offerings um, by visiting my website. Uh, you can't just say your website. What's your website? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, sir. So I'm on Instagram at Embodied Truth Healing, which will link you to all the things. But I'm also, my website is www.embodiedtruthhealing.com. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I know I like threw 3,000 things at you. <laughs> Because I was just like, as I was saying things, I was like, oh, and that and that. And I was like, because you could package it all together. But at the same time, my head kind of works like popcorn. It just ideas pop in and they pop right out. Um, I wonder too, because I want to make sure we're dealing with deep stuff. But I, I also want to talk about maybe more of the happier side of things. Like on the other side, on the side of recovery, like once you do feel empowered in your body again and you trust your body again, um, how you're able to move through life differently? Like, how does that, how do you see that those people change once, whether they got um, justice or not? Like, sometimes justice may not be in the court area because, you know, street justice exists. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not encouraging violence, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, no, I'm just joking. Um, but at the same time, I'm wondering how do people, like, how do people 
be able to get back to themselves. Like, how does that feel? What What is the transitions in that? And so people how realize it's worth doing the work to get yeah. there. Yeah. How do we know? Yeah. You, you mentioned that you are you had a, the support of a therapist. I also have had the support of therapy. I'm a therapist that goes to therapy have have been since I was 19 years old, and um, you know I think the book is a great sort of um, companion to anyone that is in therapy. Um, and I want to read a little section that. I think speaks to the question that you're asking. You know how when you watch a TV show and you're waiting, you're, there's a, a name of the episode and that's that moment where you're like, oh, this is why they named this episode, you know, whatever it is. So, Or when I they wonder, say the title in the exactly. movie. My daughter and I, we always go, yay, they finally did it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I totally so know this, what you mean. <laughs> so this is that moment in the book. It says, you deserve to be at home in your body to take up all the space inside of it, to feel softness at its edges and peace in your blood, to change in it, to be held by it, to share pleasure with it, to rest in it, to make love with it. These are your body's rights, beloved. And so I think that is how you know, right? When you find yourself feeling a little bit more at home and free in your body, um, when you're able to check in with yourself and feel what it is you're feeling in the moment and what you might need and make a decision, a choice um, to engage in the, the like making a choice as a ritual for, mm. for you, um, when you can um, be clear in your body where your yeses live and clear in where what your nos feel like so that you can make a decision with more confidence and conviction. When you can differentiate between your intuition guiding you and your traumas misleading you because sometimes those sensations can feel the same. When you're able to, um, your nervous system has calmed down enough that you're not living in fight or flight or freeze or submit, tend and befriend modes, that you discover new ways of being and living. Um, it's, it's so rich. And one of the things I like to invite folks in is because it is a heavy topic. This is healing work. Um, and people are, I think, a little confused about why I'm always smiling, especially when I'm talking about this. And I just tell them that's because there's joy in healing too. And that's my hope is that in the healing journey, that is body rights, folks will discover joy in their bodies as well. Where I just felt like I don't have to hold this anymore. This wasn't mine. Mm -hmm. This was something done to me. I can move on from it. And like you said, be more aware of the red flags, be more aware of my intuition, trust myself. Cause I saw them. I didn't like the guy. Like I was always like, Oh, why does he have to come? So I knew there was something negative about him. So it, even still, like just when you feel those cold pricklies, so go back to yeah. elementary school and not the warm fuzzies, there's a reason, you know? So I'm glad you're mentioning that, but I also want to make sure girls know, check your drinks, watch your drinks, keep on your drinks. <laughs> Cause I was drugged. That's, I woke up during mine both times. So mm -hmm. like be aware of that fact that you, 
I don't drink anymore at all now because that was another thing for me that was kind of triggering was being at places. If I was a little tipsy or not fully in control, Mm -hmm. I wasn't prepared when somebody might try to hit on me or like do things that were inappropriate and it would put me back in a place where I wasn't comfortable in my skin again or feeling like, Mm -hmm. oh, they're not going to listen to my nose. It made me more paranoid. So I quit and very Mm -hmm. grateful for that because now I have the clarity and plus people, I don't know, maybe because they know I'm like, stone cold sober they don't mess with me anymore because it's more like they know that i'll remember it i know exactly what you said and i'm not going to play around mix words with you anymore Um, and i think it's important for survivors to realize there is hope you don't have to give up um you don't have to always feel like the victim of what happened to you there's freedom on the other side again i Mm -hmm. obviously don't remember who i was before abuse because i was in the second grade the first time but there's still that, like, now I try to live for that little girl, like try to make sure I tr- seek out joy as much as possible and do the childishly funny things that my daughter, like, that's why I have Barbies behind me and stuff. And like, <laughs> little, like, the characters here, because my childhood was kind of robbed for me. So it's like, I get to relive it with her in a way. Absolutely. To some yeah. extent. But also I get to give myself that freedom of, letting the little girl inside of me live free because she didn't get that chance the first time. Absolutely. Doing so much to reclaim Mm -hmm. your innocence. Yeah. Shout out to little Camille and little Sheena, who I am in constant conversation with and is one of my greatest teachers. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that that inner child healing. I often say I am raising a free Black inner child. Yeah. Black girl joy all the time, everywhere. All the time. Any yeah. chance I get loud and proud. And I like, <laughs> luckily I don't have off either. So my husband's always like, I love that you're free and you can say whatever you want, do whatever you want. Nobody can cancel you, boo. So might as well enjoy your Nobody life. Nobody can cancel you, boo. <laughs> that part, that part. Um, <laughs> I want to make sure everyone knows how they can reach out to you, how they can stay in contact with you and even get involved with your virtual if they're not lucky enough to live in LA. I'm sorry, I'm still morning the fact that I live here uh, or don't live in LA anymore um so <laughs> I moved from 2007 I should get over it but I, I still miss home so <laughs> you brought so a little bit of home to me so I love that as well yeah but, uh, yeah any last things you would like to share I'd love to hear from you and also how they can stay in contact yes. with you Thank you. So you can buy the book wherever books are sold, but I also make it really easy on my website. Again, that's www.embodiedtruthhealing.com. There you'll find information about me, my healing offerings, the Body Rights book, and an upcoming book club as well, and um, onset well-being work. And if you aren't a survivor, but you want to support Black survivors, there's also an opportunity to invest in the healing of Black folks so that the burden, the financial burden of healing isn't um, so heavy. You can find all of that information on my site and stay close on the gram at Embody Truth Healing. I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking even for therapists that may be isn't a BIPOC person, but mm-hmm. treats BIPOC people because surprisingly, I had a hard time finding a black female therapist at first. And mm-hmm. finally, my girlfriend's like, girl, you don't need to go to therapy. I'm a therapist and I'm your best friend. Just talk to me <laughs> about <laughs> things too. Like we can work it yeah. out. You're going to, everybody needs it. Um, 
I think it's great for just even the images, the way you chose everything, just the empowering poses of the women in here. Like just, just want to kind of show some of this off, but yeah. I'll, I'll have cleaner pictures. I'll just do cleaner pictures, but needless to say, this is just such an amazing book and you cover so many different things from even teas and oils and just things just really to um, nourish the soul and hitting all the senses at the same time. So yeah. I really appreciate this book. And I think a lot of people will enjoy it. Not even if you haven't been through trauma, but maybe you know somebody that has that you love that you would like to understand more why certain mm -hmm. things trigger them or they get these visitors yeah. from the past, as you said. Yes. Um, yeah, that's what I've been saying. Everyone yeah. knows someone that needs this book and it does unapologetically center the Black survivor experience. Um, but I think anyone that's, that's supporting, that knows someone or loves someone that has experienced sexual trauma or anyone that, um, whether that's a therapist, a family member or partner, um, or anyone who wants to deepen their embodiment practice. And, something with right? this context in it, you might need Absolutely. to know how to deal with your actors, how to handle the crew that's surrounding it, to be mindful of the words that you might be using while you're on mm -hmm. set to make yeah. sure that they're empowered as well. Like there's so many good things that can come from people having this book. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I'm looking forward to all the healing stories to come. Right. Us women need it. We've we've been we've been in a drought, you know. We haven't been centered. We've been ignored. We've been overlooked. Everything works for everyone the same way. And now we're realizing, or not, we are not realizing, but the world is starting to realize. No, there's different ways that people need to be treated, educated, healed, so on. And so I'm glad we have this um, wonderful book to help us through it as well. But. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you so thank much you. for having me. I, have to say, I was a little scared because I didn't, at first I was like, oh, I'm not going to talk about myself. And of course, popcorn. I talk about everything. <laughs> and I'm an open book because I feel like that's the whole point of my podcast is to help others. And I have to be transparent and truthful for people to understand maybe more about why I am the way I am, <laughs> why <laughs> certain things bother me more than the average person maybe i don't know but needless to say i'm just really glad that i was able to have this opportunity with you and to share about your book to help more women or non-binary folk that have gone through this as well and are looking for ways to get to the other side because thank you you can relive your life again and have that freedom again absolutely and i'm totally celebrating you making the choice to share your story in the way that feels right in this beautiful platform that you created. Um, I always find it fascinating when survivors of sexual trauma in particular end up doing work that requires them to use their voice. There's so much healing in that, and that creates the platform for other people to use there. So, um, you know, it's, it's beautiful, and it's been great to speak with you today. Pleasure was all mine. So again, thank you everyone for tuning in. Make sure you follow. Oh, yep, I did it the right way the first time. Follow <laughs> her on all her platforms. I will definitely have all the links and all the information when I when, when you're watching this podcast. Just look below. All the information will be there for you. And also on my website as well. Links to the book and all of that. Links to her website. Everything will be included there as well. But make sure you share this with someone that may that may need this and may know that there's a text line you can always call 988 if you or someone you know is experiencing um, negative thoughts and thoughts of hurting themselves make sure you have them reach out to that as well otherwise 
have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us and tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share and love each other. You know, kindness is free. Mm -hmm. Peace.